Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. In today's episode, I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Dana Pierre-Louis. Dana is the Deputy General Counsel currently at Norfolk Southern. Dana takes us through her story, her journey, back to her parents and influence they had. And Dana was the first in her family to attend college and university. Her first experience as a minority female in a majority law firm in Detroit, she talks about that and the impact that had on her. Someone was at the end of the corridor that nobody else walked down. I won't tell any more than that, but how what a pivotal moment that was in her career when she decided to walk down that corridor and knock on a particular door. We also talk about leadership too. She describes something which I really like, demanding excellence with empathy, all while understanding a person's personal story. So in the usual fashion... Sit back, chillax, and enjoy the episode. Dana, it's fantastic to have you on the show. I'm very excited about the discussion we're about to have. Um, Welcome Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tell the audience out there a little bit about the Dana Pierre-Louis story, um, your journey, um, and then we'll we'll dig into some of the nuggets that no doubt you'll be... um, uh, you'll be surfacing for okay, us. Go for good. It. So I'm from Southfield, Michigan, Metro Detroit area. So born and raised there. I have two sisters and was raised by my parents who didn't go to college, but always instilled in me, you know, you have to go to college. You have to do this. You have to do that. So from a very early age, the installation of excellence and doing above and beyond was was always there. Uh, my dad and his grandfather and all of my uncles worked um, at the plant uh, for the big three. So all I knew that seven day a week, almost work ethic and just doing what they had to do to work hard and knowing that they wanted better for me. They always taught me that there's nothing that I couldn't do if I worked hard. I believed them from an early age. And so that kind of led me into wanting to become a lawyer when I was nine. So um I'm hearing that that's a little bit early for a lot of people. And uh, so, but to me, I've always worked with a plan. I've always worked with a goal. And, uh, you know, that's how that turned out. And so far, it's working out. And did you get that encouragement when you were nine or that that feedback that everyone was saying, oh, I think she's going to be a lawyer because you were kind of, you were standing your ground, you were arguing back. Did you get any of that kind of feedback when you were younger? Well, I was very assertive. I, you know, I will say that. And, um, you know, at one point I thought I'd be a doctor, but my mom said, I think you can handle the cadavers. You won't make it through med school. You can't handle like shots, um, even at the doctor's office at the pediatrician. So for me, what really inspired that the fact that it was even possible because I didn't know any lawyers, my parents didn't know any lawyers, was um, 1992, there was a case all over the t- headlines in Detroit, police brutality, and a prosecutor by the name of Kim Worthy just a beautiful black woman on TV, very assertive, very commanding presence. And I thought that could be me. And I think that's the only way I ever would have thought 
that it could be me is because I saw her and it's just ironic that now the, you know, now representation matters is a thing, but it was always a thing. Uh, but now people are being more intentional about it. And, you know, really she's the reason why I became aware because if I didn't see her, I wouldn't have known that it was even possible. The power and influence of, let's call it role models, but role models that are distant, that are not touchable, um, that are on a TV screen, yet that exposure at that age kind of sets the course potentially for your entire life. It's an incredible, it has incredible impact, positive and negative, depending upon what we expose you know, our, our children to. We had dinner in Atlanta a couple a month or two ago now, and we talked a little bit about, um, so you, the, the work ethic that was instilled in you where you had, as I did, kind of working class parents, um, no, no history of going to university and by God, those, those, the children of those parents, one way or another, were going to get to university and become educated. How do you think about that now and the, the impact that that had on you and replicating or, or, or struggling to replicate that with your own children? I'm sure there are lots of GCs listening there. And we, you know, we, as parents, we grapple with this every day. How do you think about that? You know, it's oddly enough, I thought about it recently. So so being from Michigan, it's cold. I wanted to leave. I was ready to get out of there. Like, give me, I applied to all these schools in Florida and Georgia. Like, that's where I thought I'd be. But my mother said, you know, you will be going to the University of Michigan. And she told me that my whole high school career. I'm like, mom, are you sure? I don't even know how I'm going to get in there. Like, are you, you, you know, I'm like, nah, I had all these other plans. And then lo and behold, one day got the letter I got into the University of Michigan. And I think that my parents couldn't have been prouder because for them, that was the pinnacle. And um, in hindsight, now that I look at it, my, my mom, who didn't go to college, dad didn't go to college, they were right. They were right to tell me we, we were getting our refunds for all these other schools we paid deposits on. The University of Michigan is going to set you up for success. And I'm so thankful that they had the foresight and wisdom that I didn't have at 18 um, in order to put me in that position. So now, you know, being that my husband and I are both educated and um, have gone through uh, different careers and, and had some successes, what does that mean for them? Well, so the pressure is, is very real. Um, and I've seen it with some of my colleagues and some of their kids and the pressure that they put their kids under. And I don't want to replicate that. But at the same time, I will confess, I tell my kids all the time, you guys are going to be doctors. You're going to be doctors. You're going to be normal doctors. You're going to be surgeons. Because it's the level of excellence that I put on it. So whatever you do, you must be excellent. And so, I mean, one of them kind of wants to be a doctor, but the other one wants to be a lawyer. And so I have an 11-year-old son and an an 8-year-old daughter. And so my son wants to be a lawyer, and he's much like me. And, you know, I said, okay, fine. If if you decide to be a lawyer, if that if that ends up being okay, you have to be a patent attorney. So you have to get an engineering degree first. Then you can go off and do law school if you want to. But you know you have to get a hard study degree. So I'm a bit concerned about what I'm doing to them right now. I'm not going to lie. But I think you know I work so hard and I work hard for them, and and that's why my parents work so hard. So that way every generation can grow and gets better. And we can create, particularly as a minority family, generational wealth. And that's what I'm looking to do. Um, and that's what I want them to be able to do. And so, yeah, the pressure 
the pressure is, is real. It's, it's real on me and it's real on them. And so I wish I had a better answer for you. But, you know, I'd love to have two doctors. But, you know, a doctor and a lawyer might be fine, too. It's a tough one. It's one I struggle with for years. I have a sense of, well, like kids are adults now, so I don't struggle as much. I think about your children. And as they grow up, what they see is they see their mother, um, who's incredibly driven, and went and they know their grandparents who have seen their grandparents and the level of expectation given what their grandparents have done what you have done and your, you and your husband and, and where you've come from the level of expectation is real uh, and there's a burden there and this thing that um, and I think I've only realized that more recently and recognizing that for your children but recognizing that also you love them unconditionally you support them ultimately whatever they do whether they do when they're ready and in a position to make um to make those kind of life decisions um but it's a tough one whatever they do as long as they're happy healthy um and and uh whole people that's what's most important because remember ultimately as parents we are only as happy as our saddest child uh, and that's something every Every parent knows. Back to you and your career. Take me through your career journey and perhaps some pivotal moments that made a real impact on you, whether it's mentoring, whether it's decisions you've made. Take me through that career arc. I would say one of the biggest things happened before my career even started. I was doing an internship my first year of summer, 1L, which doesn't normally happen. Had the opportunity to go into a Fortune 500 company called DTE Energy and spend the summer with the securities group. You know, always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. You know, decided that criminal law wasn't for me pretty early. So I would say by the time I was 16, I had decided I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. And then probably by the time I was 17, I decided I wanted to be a general counsel. And because I figured, you know, in the pursuit of excellence. You know, business lawyers, what's the most important business lawyer in a company but the general counsel? So, of course, that's what I wanted to be. So, so, so this is this is at 17. Of course, Dana, you're putting everyone to shame, me, everyone listening to this thinking, boy, I wish we had my, I had my shit together that early. So that is incredible. Anyway, keep going, keep going. I'm still on the journey. And as I think of it now, you know, is that, is that even what I want, want, but I shoot for the stars and we'll see. Right. So, um, but more specifically, I thought, you know, I want to be general counsel of fortune 500 company. And then I thought to myself, one day I want to live in Atlanta. So maybe it just might be Coke. And that was like that literally was written down. In <laughs> so just to kind of show you where my like crazy or mind goes, um, that's kind of where, you know, where I was. So, Ended up 1L Summer at DTE Energy. What a better way to start. I realized most general counsels have some securities experience, so also great to be in that group for the summer, which really kind of shaped you know, the rest of my career. Because from there, I said, okay, I'd like to you know, go into a large law firm, the largest law firm that I can get into, because that's what I was told. You need to go do that for a couple of years and then go in-house. Um, I wanted to, wanted to go to a bigger city than Detroit. I was still dating my college sweetheart, who I'm now married to, and he did not want to leave Detroit. So that meant I had to find the largest law firm in Detroit that was that had some level of diversity. So I ended up um, at a firm in Detroit. Very was very happy to get that experience my second summer and then joined them during the financial crisis. Didn't even know if I'd actually end up 
having a job, but they did not cut any of us. So, you know, that was a trying experience in and of itself. Thought I'd go in and do all these wonderful M&A transactions and ended up doing workouts. But that ended up being an amazing experience because I got the chance to see the deals that all went bad and what you need to do in order to protect um, your clients, you know, your company, the bank um, in those instances. And so that was pretty incredible um, experience, but it was also trying, Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, as a woman of color at a a majority law firm and noticing um, our diversity numbers decrease as the times during what time I was there, it was hard. It was hard and trying to make sure I got hours and do all of those things. And I saw, you know, some of the other attorneys who were in labor and employment getting all the hours and most of the, a lot of them were diverse. And so I thought, well, is that where I need to be in order to be successful at the law firm? And I contemplated it for a while, but then I knew that wasn't true to myself. I said, you came here to be corporate transactions attorney. That is what you will be. And so then I thought, well, let me find, let me think out the box to try to find some people who will be willing to work with me um, in order to get these hours and get this experience. And um, started knocking on doors. There was a corner office that nobody went to. And I heard nobody went there for a reason. So I figured, listen, I need work. So let's go knock on this door and just see what he says. And I think because nobody came to his door, like he was happy to see me. And, um, you know, he was a little bit prickly, maybe, but I think for us and what I'm for me, what I always try to do is we're all human. There we connect on some level, and so I found a way to connect with him. You know, great guy has I think like five kids, five boys, and so knew all the stories and everything. And he got to know me, and then we started working together on syndicated credit transactions, really large ones, some the biggest ones at the firm, and I, I didn't know that he was the the banking guy uh, when I went to his office. But I was thankful because that was a pivotal moment in my career because it gave me the experience um, that then translated later in-house, but also taught me that, you know, no one is beyond being able to connect with. There's a, you can always find some human element there um, where, you, where you can connect with someone and you never know what that's going to end up being. And then for me, um, he ended up being my sponsor without knowing that he was my sponsor. Even if he hears this today, he will say it wasn't him. Um, and so I'm just thankful, you know, for that, having that experience at the firm, because I feel like it, from a professional standpoint, it saved me. And then I think from a personal standpoint, I had to learn how to save myself. And so I learned more about how to handle adversity and how to handle myself. And sometimes I think I did about the law piece because I had to be me in every situation. And so a lot of times when your emotions and you're feeling down, that can translate into your work, into other areas of your life. And so I had to gather myself to say, okay, this is an adverse time. You know, what am I learning from this? You know, how can I move forward and what will this look like later? So there is so much um, I'd love to unpack there. Um, Diana, so much in that story. Firstly, just the firstly the courage to walk down that path that not many people have walked down, which is a, a, and the door at the end of the corridor, and then the opportunity that that created because you believed that ultimately we're all human and at some level we can all connect. Um, what a fantastic just life learning 
for anyone. I don't care what your career is. I don't care where you are. That is um, that is super powerful. And for you, it was career defining. And to this day, like you know, I I any any success I ever have is attributed professionally to him and some other people. And what I found is my mentor always told me that the people who are going to help you in your career may not always yeah. look like you. And so, you know, I've just found that, um, you know, these white, there's a couple of white men in my career have unintentionally and some intentionally done things for me, sponsored me in a way that gave me the experience that I needed to get me to the next level. And, and that, each given point, I can attribute some of that experience for them pushing me in a direction, yep. giving me advice and taking the time um, with me. So and so, you know, that's not lost on me. And so I encourage everyone, you know, don't just stay in your box, like look outside the box. There's always going to be someone for you to meet. And when whoever you meet, you don't know where that's going to take you. And so just be open. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is, you know, not to be so closed minded and 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 to diversify my own thoughts, right? And what that means. Not many people did great things in a box um, or in a path that has been trodden time and time again. Um, so I think that that's a fantastic story. Um, tell me what what are the some of the other things you learned about yourself during that time? And it sounds like in, in some respects. It, a difficult time during that time at a law firm before you moved to, to the in-house side. What what else did you learn about yourself? You know, I will say that prior to joining the firm, you had to say it, it had so many wins. You know, my husband always says, you, you win, you win, you win. Everything you do, you win. So he doesn't see the private times of yeah. losses or the tears. But um, I mean, he sees them. But, you know, the, the wins t- tend to yeah. overshadow, right? And I think for me, in that experience at the firm, you know, I there was times I wanted to quit yeah. just law, period. You know, I had this grand plan. I'm like, maybe I'll join a consulting firm and do something like that. But maybe this just isn't it for me. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe some of the discouragement that I'm getting from others is true. And I had never had that before. So when I joined... DTE Energy as a um, after being a couple of years at the firm, I walked into the building just incredibly yeah. grateful, like every day, like every day to the day I left, grateful for the experience and for the opportunity, and that to know that there was people that believed yeah. in me, and I didn't really necessarily feel that um, at the firm. So professionally and even personally, it, it meant. It meant the world to me to be there, and I didn't really recognize like all all of what I was feeling yeah. until after you know I got there. And so, for people just looking at my resume, it seemed like a natural progression. And you know, I'll say it took a lot of work to get there, but also it took a lot of out of me to really truly be able to appreciate where I was. And I think that's why I stayed at that company for so long because I don't I didn't take anything for granted. It wasn't just another opportunity. You know, they gave, I gave a lot, but they gave me so much. And, you know, for that, um, you know, that company, like, I still wear the shirt yep. sometimes um, because it, 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 it's changed me and made me believe in myself in a way that I didn't before because I thought I was just going to be some law firm cast off. It's, I thought that was what was going to be. 
And I'm just thinking about what is the magic that you experienced that you hadn't had before. And it sounded like to me there was almost like an unwavering belief by those around you that you could and would be successful, that you could be anything you wanted to be. And what should people listening who maybe are a bit earlier, what are those ingredients they should be looking for where they know this is a place that will nurture, that I can grow? So I think for me, um, I always look at the team, especially like the team that I'm interviewing yep. with. And, you know, is that team diverse? But what type of positions do they hold, right? Then I look at the training opportunities. Like how much do you invest in mm. people coming into mm. your company? And so that's what, that what the main thing is that they invested yeah. in me. So I had an opportunity to be an LCLD fellow. They sent me to all types of um, conferences. So constant, yep. tangible yep. investment yep. is what they made in me. And so knowing that I was supported in that way um, made me feel like I could go out in that company and do anything or anywhere else. Because eventually, um, you know, I did leave there after um, a little over 10 years, but it was only because they gave me all the tools yep. and equipment that I needed in order to soar somewhere else and recreate the magic. Because that was the issue. I think you, when you change careers or change workplaces, can you recreate the magic? Well, I didn't feel like I had magic at the firm. So yep. that was discouraging. So I'm coming into this place, hoping that things go well. And then being, just having wonderful leaders who saw something in me and that were willing to push me beyond my comfort level um, and knowing that I could do it. And I, and I can you know, tell you a story about my GC, um, former GC, who, who I respect and greatly appreciate because she pushed me. She pushed me hard. And uh, I don't even think she knows. Like one time we were on the phone and we got off the phone yes. and I cried. Because I knew what she was doing was best mm. for me. Um, but it was not no. always comfortable or easy. So, Dana, that's something I think about right, a lot when just, you know, motivating, inspiring team members and so forth. And I, when I look back in my career and the people that have really have excelled and that were really grateful, I was usually the hardest. I was the hardest on those people and sometimes unfairly hard. And um, I can tell you quite candidly, I, I, I don't, I typically don't have that that real. If I can say, I, I don't, I'm not as hard with people anymore. And I don't know if it's generational. I don't know if it's environment. Um, and I wonder whether or not by not doing that, I'm depriving potentially, uh, well, potential um, in others because I'm. Um, perhaps in the later stage of my career, I'm not as hard as I used to be. And sometimes when I think back, I was, I was very unfair. But I do wonder, I do wonder whether that is where um, the greatest growth is when you're, when people around you, your mentors, those that are sponsor you, but actually on, on occasion, they are really, really tough. Um, they're tough on you, but they are tough on you in a way which you might, feel like you're falling to pieces, but in the end, you dust yourself up and you become better um, and you strive to become better. But it's, it's a tough balance. It's absolutely a balance. A balance is everything. And I think I always believe with a skill set, 
you know, there's there's a, there's a ceiling and there's a basement and it depends on what you're operating under, right? Some people operate, you know, they're driven and they're drive excellence, but they're operating, you know, from the lower register. And that's not where you want to be because then you lose yeah. your engagement, yeah. right? You get the product you're looking for, but then people are no longer engaged and like you, right? And so I've seen leaders do do it quite, you know, well not and so not right. so yep. well. And so what I look at is, okay, what, what can I glean from that? Because I think for me, you know, I've always performed the best with leaders who demanded or required excellence to the point where I was maybe a little scared yeah. sometimes, right? But at the same time, sometimes the the empathy yeah. is missing. And so, or understanding me as a person or the yeah. why. And the way that, you know, I lead and the way I interact with team members and people is to, they understand, you know, I require excellence. I want you to be excellent. I want to be excellent. I want us to be excellent together. And I'm really serious yeah. about it. But at the same time, I want to know your yeah. why. Why are you here? You're here more than just to make a paycheck, I hope, right? And I want the experience that we have to make you to make you better. So for me, if that's knowing one of the people I work with now, he has horses. He has horses. He lives on a, on a ranch. And all of these things are important to him. But he's an excellent, he's excellent at what he does. And so how can I understand him, his why? Like why he would, you know, drive so far from his horse farm to come to work and to want to work for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I do. So yes, I you know, there's there's excellence that, that I require and want, but at the same time, I want you to be a whole person. So I want I want to hear about the horses. I mean, and I want to see pictures of them. And at some point I'm going to make the two hour drive to go visit them. But that's the, that's who I am. And I think that's how, at least for me, I found the most success. And for the leaders who I've engaged with that not only required excellence from me, but they also cared about me and, you know, as a person. And so I think that you can lose sight of that. Um, and, and you can, as a leader, stop becoming human yep. um, if you don't humanize yourself and also get to know your team. So I often also share some of my um, failures or things that are going on in my life because I also believe I, you bring your whole self to work. Yep. So I bring my whole yep. self to work. I have a husband, two kids, and now my mom lives with me. Yep. That's the story, right? I, I tell you, I, I love demand excellence with empathy, but understanding a person's why. I, I mean, that just feels like um, a not say so secret, but a great formula. Um, and it's hard. Um, it's hard to do because it is that balance. But I think if you're if you're pushing people, they understand why, and you and they understand that you understand their why. That that is a that's a super powerful formula. Um, uh, Dana, we could talk for hours. Let me bring it back a little bit. Um, what are the key attributes that you think you have developed that has supported your success? And then I'm going to ask you, which one of those will you hope that your children also develop? Because sometimes our key attributes that support our success are not necessarily our best features. So key attributes first, and then I'm going to ask you which one of those, and it may be all, um, are you hoping you'll be able to instill in your children? It's funny. So people who, I can tell someone who knows me by the words they use to describe me. Sometimes I like shrink inside when they say it, but it's so true. So I had like a former general counsel, then another person say um, to me like, oh, Dana, like she, they're telling somebody else about me. Tenacious. She's tenacious. Okay, tenacity. Like, 
like how do they know this um you know about me but yeah sometimes you know i am i can grab order something and then i'm not letting it go uh, you know until i've gotten everything out of it so you know definitely say tenacity is 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 one thing um but as we mentioned empathy and you know i haven't being a driven person sometimes you don't always get that and so i um as a security attorney and and that people just get a little bit off guard by me being so personal. And so I don't present the way maybe um, other corporate transactional lawyers present, but I think it's because, you know, I've had loss early in my life. And so I was at the law firm and my dad passed away four weeks before my wedding. And that changed my whole life. It changed my whole life because when I would go to funerals, I would just feel bad for that person, that family. But for me, it's like, oh, now it's me. And so that helped me better understand people and what their emotions and what they're going through. Because you never know when someone comes to work what else they're dealing with. And so I think that is where the empathy comes from, uh, is, is, is that experience uh, with, with grief um, at an early age and at a time that it was supposed to be celebratory. So, so there's that. And then um, just like the drive for excellence, which, you know, as we discussed, can have its ceiling and basement. Tenacity, empathy, drive. Uh, there's not any of those I'd want excluded, certainly from my children. Is there anything you think you're missing? Anything that you would like to have more of that you might be overcompensating when you, you know, when you're raising your kids? I'd be interested. I would say that... I'd like to I like to step outside myself and really understand others more. Yeah. I think that I've tried my best, but I, there's more work to be done. There's and I work. think, yep. you know, as lawyers, you know, we think everybody thinks like us. Like, why wouldn't one plus one equal two? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, <laughs> how is that not true? And for some people, it's not true. The desire to make things make sense. Uh, I've, in recent years, I've, I've stopped doing that. I've stopped doing that. I've, I recognize that to me, this does not make sense. But to someone else, it makes plenty of sense. It's like the most logical thing they've ever heard. And so being able to step outside of myself to say, okay, this makes sense to you. That helped me understand. And, I, and that helped me a lot just in the transitions in my career with uh, working at different places now. Because I might walk into the door and say, this doesn't make sense. But clearly this makes sense to this company. But why does it make sense? Help me. And so then I can bring my sensibilities to what they're doing. And then maybe, you know, if necessary, we can improve or change the process. Or maybe we just leave it the way it is. And that's okay. It's funny, you know, logic is not universal. And in fact, it's probably, it's it's far from universal. And having the ability, the empathy to be able to literally, well, not quite literally, certainly step into someone else's shoes and genuinely try and step in and walk around and really understand whether it's someone, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a group, whatever it is, um, because the world isn't logical. Um, and what we as lawyers, often very structured, very, we, we learned about causation early on, one plus, you know, and, and what led to what, and we had to think like that, um, but the world doesn't think like that. 
um, uh, certainly everyone doesn't. So if I then ask you advice that you would give either to your 25-year-old self or more broadly to those who are earlier in their career, what would you say, Dana? I would say that don't look at your life as a series of goals to be obtained. You know, I think I did that. And then when you're, because you're constantly looking for the next thing then. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes there's, I've realized more recently, there's not going to be a next thing. Or maybe the next thing you need to wait for. And so in the meantime, you kind of lose sight of what else is going on around you and really enjoying the here and the now. There's a phrase that says, be here now. And so this stage um, in my career, I'm focusing on being here now. So right now, being at Norfolk Southern now, being with my family now. And that's a little bit different than uh, how I've operated over the years. But that's probably my best advice is life is going to pass you by so fast. And everything does not need to be associated with, by this age, I need to be this. But at other times, you know, it hasn't. And and I'm realizing that now. And so now I'm kind of, oh, I can wait a few years for whatever's next or maybe not a few years, but maybe like a little bit of time. So, So I call it the struggle to be present is real and it's just continuous. I find it now, I found it early, I find it today. I expect I'm going to find it tomorrow. The, the struggle to be present is real. It's difficult. When you're at that dinner table, okay, conversation's going on, but you're not actually, you're thinking about something else. <laughs> it's an important struggle for every one of us because you're right, Dana, life goes by really quick. Um, and then you look out, you look back and you realise, oh, actually... <laughs> Uh, I wasn't all. And it, and that bit is hard to recover um, from. Okay, uh, two more questions. Hardest thing, Dana, that you've ever done? Yeah, in the spirit of authenticity and transparency, and I think that's, that's what I enjoy most hearing about in these type of podcasts or interviews. Like, it's great talking about career and all of that, but you're a whole person outside of the title that you hold. And so one of the hardest things that I've done recently and in, in my life was one of the things I thought would be easy. And I took for granted um, how hard it would be, but it was moving my entire family across the country. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought, oh yeah, you know, there's opportunities we can evaluate, you know, this is, this is going to be a great place to live. Everybody, come on. Like, yeah. this is awesome. jump, jump in the car. <laughs> Don't you see this? This is going to be great for everybody. I underestimated the amount of thought that I had to put into it with other people's feelings and their emotions. And so it was one thing for me to leave home, leave uh, Michigan, a place I've called home my whole life, but then also to see my family, each individually go through their own emotions about leaving. So my my husband, my two kids, um, I mentioned earlier my mother, like my mother moved with us and that was always the plan because if I ever went anywhere, like she'd have to come too. And to see all of them go through the emotions that was hard for me um and the weight of someone else's happiness and feelings like that i felt that i took on so even though i had my own emotions and my own feelings about it i could not share you know i had to be strong for the rest of them and so 
you know, all in all, we're adjusting, but it, it's, it was much more difficult than I thought. And then to translate to a new company in a new city and get the kids acclimated into school successfully. Um, and my husband, um, who has been my biggest supporter, uh, was able to uh, be recruited and find a, a wonderful opportunity uh, here in Atlanta. But, you know, all of that, you know, that comes with it. So you see these people in their resumes and they're moving here and they're moving there. But when they have families, there's a lot that comes with it. And so you don't always hear that story, like how they got there and is it working for everyone? And so you know, right now, I think it's working for everybody. <laughs> those years, those, especially when you've got, and I've experienced myself when I moved my family, moved into a different country and the emotion that everyone went through the distance from you know their schools, you know their parents, our parents, and so forth. It was really hard. Here's what I will say: over the course, though, of the first uh, of three or four years, which was our period, um, and through that struggle, the growth, the learning, the bonding we did as a family. We talk back at that period, and everyone talks about that in the fondest of terms, albeit everyone went through their own change and growth and struggle. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully, and it sounds like it'll, I'm sure it'll be the same for you, but that's often where growth is. Yes. <laughs> Those, you know, it's hard. Growth doesn't come easy. Um, and as a family, too. The new experience too, you, you don't know now and you won't know for some time, but you will see how the resilience in your kids developed, how their skills to be able to basically change and make new friends and all that. It's hard, um, but typically, typically children are better. Than, than adults that we see. Oh yeah, yeah. They're having a they're having a great time. I think my kids yeah. and my mom are having the best time. My husband and I were still working through it, but you know, I yeah. couldn't have done it without my my husband and my mom. Yeah. And I think them championing me and believing in in me and believing in our family and what we yeah. do, and then also just me seeing new things that they're learning and being so happy and proud of them as they're progressing themselves uh, with the move and my husband and his career, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Dana, I've always said any bit of success I've ever had is 100% attributable to a supportive family and spouse that is that has backed me and some of the crazy things I've decided to do 100% unquestionably. Being the beneficiary, and if, if those who are lucky enough to have it is an absolute superpower. So uh, I'm incredibly grateful. And it sounds like, um, certainly sounds like you are too. Um, Dane, it's been an absolute blast speaking to you, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. I've learned a heap and I'm sure the audience is going to love this. Thanks so much. Thank you listeners for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me jim the host of the show via email jim at pursuit p-e-r-s-u-i-t dot com we'd love to hear from you